1: What's going on, everybody? We're back. the Sooners Illustrated Podcast, episode 39. On this Monday, December the 4th, 2023, Josh Calloway, James D. Jackson, Tom Green. The transfer portal is open. Chaos across college football today. uh, Guys all over the place are hopping in the portal. Some big names. Bro, you are in the portal. Obviously, we're going to touch on that in just a second. Also, the New Year's Six has been announced. Oklahoma got left out. We'll talk about that a little bit as well as we uh, move into December and silly season is upon us. But obviously, guys, we got to start with the transfer portal and the biggest bombshell of the day, really, maybe in college ball period, but certainly in these here parts, Dylan Gabriel's in the portal. So Oklahoma City will call for the last two years. Came over from UCF, was briefly at UCLA, kind of. Was committed to UCLA for a second there. Made the big flip to OU. Has been the quarterback of the Brent Venables era. Sands one game, the Texas game last year when he was banged up and injured. He's in the portal. He's moving on. He won't be at Oklahoma for the bowl game or obviously next season, which that part was expected. Maybe the path that we're taking to get there, not quite as expected. Guys, just initial reaction right at the top. Gabriel in the portal. We'll see where he winds up. But obviously... News that was, you know, again not completely unexpected, but it's still a little jarring to see it. And uh, he's going to be playing college somewhere else next year. Will be kind of weird uh, to see, honestly.
0: Yeah, uh, like you said, not really a surprise. Um, Right. Even even though the last couple weeks, everybody kind of danced around what his future was going to look like. Um, But I think most expected that he would either declare for the NFL draft or more Mm -hmm. likely go to the transfer portal because. In just the state of college football right now, with the transfer portal, with NIL, when you have a experienced quarterback who has the kind of production that Dylan Gabriel has, like proven commodity, he can make bank his next oh, year, yeah. wherever he ends up. Like he he is gonna be set, he's gonna be better off going to Wherever that may be, and I'm sure we'll discuss some possibilities here in a moment, but he'll be better off going there and just securing that NIL bag for a year. And not just that, but if he finds the right spot he could have a chance to, you know, carve out his name as the most prolific passer in NCAA history. You know, he's already in the top 10. He's got a bit of a climb to do to surpass Case Keenum there at number one. I think he needs like 4,200 yards, which would be a career year wherever he ends up. But in the right offense, that's possible. Like, we'll see where he ends up. But I think it's a a win-win scenario for Dylan, for Oklahoma. You know, he said it himself after that TCU game, you know, Oklahoma and him, they kind of needed each other, and they found each other at this interesting crossroads because for him, it was when he was leaving UCF after getting banged up his third year there. Oklahoma, obviously a transitional period when he came in. Lincoln Riley was gone, took Caleb Williams with him. Oklahoma needed a quarterback. He had familiarity in Jeff Levy's system. It was just a marriage of circumstance, convenience, whatever you want to call it, but it worked out for the better for both of them, and Dylan kind of bridged this gap from one period of Oklahoma football into this next
2: mm-hmm. as they move to the SEC. Yeah, I know. And as Tom said, and, I, and I've been saying this for for quite some time, especially when Dylan Gabriel was getting some flack from, you know, people around just about how he was performing early on in the season, last year, things like that. It's like, I mean, this guy, he he pretty much saved what Oklahoma had, you know, during the transition time. He saved their transition. I mean, they really needed him. They didn't have them. I mean, you saw how it was in the regular rivalry last year before he, I mean, when he was out. I mean, it could not like that the whole season without a quarterback. That's, that's what the position OU was in. It was just like, it was going to be tough. It was going to be tough. And so having him come in and, and then having this year where they win 10 games and beat Texas and or they, they get to a bowl game, even though it's not the one they wanted to get to, I mean, that's, 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 that's huge for Brent Venables, especially as they transition into the SEC. I mean, you got to think about he, he, he's proven that he can have a good quarterback and proven that he can win with a guy that's you know, able to have those skill set. So that shows a lot of other guys now that's, Possibly why Jackson Arnold is staying as well. I mean, staying alongside Oklahoma. We talked to Kevin Sperry after his win, against, win uh, in the state championship last week. I mean, he talked about it as well, how, why he wants to stay. So, I mean, there's, there's yeah. reasons there. I mean, it shows that, you know, OU can win with a good quarterback. And that, that, that's really good for them. So, that's, that's been perfect.
1: Yeah. Like Tom said, two years ago, Dylan Gabriel needed Oklahoma. Oklahoma needed him. They don't need each other anymore. To put it kind of somewhat bluntly, um, he's got another year of college ball to use. He's going to get paid, like Tom said. Some of these teams chasing him, and like he said, we're we're going to probably speculate a little bit on some possible landing spots. He's going to get a bag drop somewhere. Oklahoma's got their guy for the future, Jackson Arnold, sitting there ready to go. Um, this was always going to be Jackson Arnold's team next season. Always going back to August, Brent Venables just kind of said offhandedly, "One more year with Dylan." You know, this was always the plan. That's why whenever people have asked me or you guys, or anybody who covers this team, What if Dylan Gabriel comes back next year? That was never – I refuse to even entertain that because that was never going to happen. And so it makes sense for all parties involved. We'll see where Gabriel ends up. And now you look forward to a full month of it being Jackson Arnold's team to get ready for the Alamo Bowl, which we'll talk about more later. It it works out for all involved. It just makes a ton of sense. And the way that Gabriel talked at that TCU game – yeah, you know, we we still had a chance at a Big 12 championship game at that point, but you kind of just felt the finality of all of it. Like, there's nothing left to do here. Uh, um, we've all had a good run, and I'm fascinated to see how Gabriel's legacy and how his time here is viewed down the road. I think it'll get better as time goes on, honestly, um, even though he didn't do anything overly noteworthy. Obviously, he wasn't a Heisman or anything like that. He's not going to get drafted real high. He didn't even win the Big 12, which is obviously kind of a standard Oklahoma. But like you guys have said, he came at a crucial time for Oklahoma. They had no QBs on the roster. He took a leap of faith to come here two years ago. He did play really well for stretches. He'll always have that Texas game, that drive that nobody's ever going to forget, the touchdown pass Nick Anderson to win the game. So he has his place etched out. Is he going to be remembered as an all-time quarterback? Is he going to have a statue here? No, obviously. But he had a a good run, and I think Oklahoma fans will remember him fondly um, as years Go on, and so that'll be fin- you know interesting to see now where he winds up, uh, obviously, and where he's playing football next season. But guys, talk about the value, I guess, in the fact that it's Jackson Arnold's team now, moving into the bowl season, and obviously, um, a, a what's the right word? A a confirmation that it's his team and his guy moving forward. You know, we've talked a lot about Jackson Arnold being the guy, the guy. Well, he's really the guy now because Dylan Gabriel's in the portal; he's gone. Jackson Arnold, the keys are yours. To this program, it's going to be fascinating to see how he handles it. I mean, we all think that he's more than ready for it from talent, maturity, all of that. But now it's really his. Dylan Gabriel is gone. And that's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out. And I'm excited to see the Arizona game got far more interesting today because of this and seeing what Jackson looks like with uh, you know it being his show, his first start here in a few weeks.
0: Yeah, I think the timing of it all kind of works out very well yeah. for Oklahoma because obviously Jeff Levy leaves from Mississippi State. You promote Seth Luttrell, the offensive coordinator. Joe John Finley's co-offensive coordinator now. So while the offense isn't going to change too much, you know, Seth Luttrell is going to start putting in his system, his flavors on it, as he said. And this next month, for you know Jackson Arnold, he has an opportunity to take the reins of that offense, get comfortable within a system that is going to be a little bit different than what they've been doing, but still largely similar. You know, get a feel for it. And, you know, it's almost like a dress rehearsal for his, you know, SEC debut next year. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a really good situation for him to be in, to have these, you know, 15 practices to uh, ramp up for that and prepare as the guy, because, you know, he hasn't had that opportunity yet. And, you know, even, you know, leading into the TCU game, when he was getting most of the first team reps, because Dylan was in concussion protocol, he still wasn't the guy, because they were still, they still knew that if Dylan got cleared, They'd just yeah. throw him in there but now this is going to be his team his chance to really show why he was a top 10 player a five-star quarterback and why oklahoma has so much invested in his future
2: and it's really just about oklahoma giving him his chance now because Deley gabriel we we he say we see he's in a transfer portal so he still wants to play college football it's just like oh you you know didn't really need to bring him back again they just didn't need to they want to get ready for the next area guys and I know you know jackson arnold and the short time that we saw him this year, he looked like a guy that could be the number one guy on your team. So it was just it was a mm-hmm. pretty good run for Dylan Gabriel, but it's Jackson Arnold's time now. And I think everybody understood that. We asked Brent Venables about that a couple of times throughout the season. I mean, just I think yeah, we got the cryptic metrics from Tom, what do he say? Like it was, you know, everything serves its time or something like that. Something something very cryptic. Yeah, yeah. Something everything has yeah, 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 his time. Yeah, it's just like I, I think they all understood what was gonna happen. And you know, when Dylan yeah. Gabriel after during his press or after that last game, it seemed like he was saying a lot of things was was over as well. I mean, his time in Oklahoma. He, he talked a lot about that. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, seems kind of weird. He's talking about all this right now, because we still got a bowl game to go to, but that shows you why. I mean, he's in a transfer portal now and they yeah. letting Jackson Arnold take the reins. That's that's pretty awesome. And just by the way, we talked about Seth trail getting that, that offensive hire. I mean, offensive job hire got to talk with him uh, at the state championships last week. Seems like a really good guy. I mean, he's very excited about the opportunity. Got to talk to him and Joe Donch Finley. So Pretty good stuff coming from them, and they were watching some of the future Sooners uh, during those state yeah. championships. So good, good, good for them.
1: Absolutely. All right. Well, now let's speculate. Let's have some fun here. Call your shot. Where's Lincoln going to play next year? Obviously, there are some very obvious natural suitors. Um, Mississippi State goes without saying. Jeff Levy's there. Um, those two guys are very close but can't actually for a long time. A huge part of why Oklahoma or why Dylan Gabriel came to Oklahoma in the first place was Jeff Levy. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that connection going back to UCF. So that's an obvious one. UCLA, maybe. Uh, he was obviously committed to UCLA for two seconds before flipping to Oklahoma once upon a time. So there was a time where Chip Kell and UCLA was enticing enough for him to commit to it. They need a quarterback, Dante Moore, their guy in the portal there. That could make sense. Obviously, Oregon seems like one that could make a lot of sense. You saw what Bo Nix has done there. Dylan Gabriel, Marcus Mariota was a guy that he really idolized growing up. That seems like a very natural fit. And then the ugly one, the gross one, that uh, Oakland fans probably don't want to hear, but it it makes sense on paper, is USC, obviously. Got to throw them in the mix, too, because uh, they need a quarterback desperately. And Lincoln Riley, that guy, say what you want about him. He's put a lot of QBs in the NFL. So. What what's your favorite here? Where where do you think Gabriel ends up? What do you think makes the most sense, and where where do we see him playing next year, in your guys' opinion?
0: Quack quack. Um, yeah, I I think Oregon makes the most sense. Me too. You know, Dylan Gabriel spent a lot of time this season talking about full circle moments. You know, we talked about that with leading into the Texas game. You know, heading into the UCF game, um, and just what what this season meant to him and his career, and you know, reuniting with Jeff Levy and all that. And I just think that the Marcus Mariota of it all, like this is a guy that mm-hmm. look, Dylan, Dylan Gabriel idolized a lot of a lot of quarterbacks growing up in Hawaii. You know, Colt Brennan's one we talked about a lot, but Marcus Mariota was you know that one who was playing when Dylan Gabriel was you know in in middle school and high school. You
1: know, he yeah. saw
0: him win a Heisman Trophy at Oregon. You know, he saw them him almost lead Oregon to a national title. And his family has a relationship with Marcus Mariota's family too. After Dylan led that game-winning touchdown drive against Texas, Dylan's mom gets a text from Alana Mariota saying, "Hey, savor this all, enjoy the ride." I just think it would be very fitting for Dylan Gabriel to finish his career at Oregon. Would fit very well in that offense. We saw what Bo Nix did this year. You know, he'd be a Heisman favorite. Maybe not a favorite, but certainly one of the front yeah, runners going into the absolutely. season. Yeah. Have a chance to compete for a national title. Have a chance to put up prolific numbers and just further cement his legacy as one of college football, like <clears throat> as one of like college football's like true like college football quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Like just like one of those dudes who's like, hey, remember him? Like you know, he he might not be an NFL star one day or anything like that, but he is one of those college football guys that you know. Everybody just kind of looks back on and remembers 10 years down the line, 15 years down the line, whatever it is. I think Oregon just makes a ton of sense for him on the West Coast, closer to home, all that. Yeah. So Oregon is my pick.
2: I like I like what Tom's saying here. I like I like Oregon as well because I think of the best fits as we talked about, I think of Oregon, Mississippi State, and UCLA, because he's he was already committed to UCLA at one point in time. Mississippi State because of the Jeff Levy connection. But I think of those three schools, Oregon is the the one the place where he could win most games. And I think winning is a big part of what he wants to do. I mean, that's why he came to Oklahoma over to UCLA, it seemed like, at the beginning. He wants to win. He wants to be, you know, next to Jeff Levy. So there's those kind of things play out. I mean, not to say yeah. that those other schools can't win, but I think Oregon's the best bet uh, because, they, I mean, they're pretty close this year, mm-hmm. almost got in. So, you know, that's the situation I think that Dylan Gabriel wants to put himself in he's going after the personal record. I mean, he wants to do winning as well. I mean, he still wants to get in one of those national, you know, final four games, you know, one of those, so that's a goal for him as well, you know, things like that. So that's where I would pick as Oregon. That's, that seems to make the most sense to me.
1: Cut the check Phil Knight. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Um, clean sweep. I, I agree completely. I mean, when you con- you combine the dollars with the chance to win and get yourself to the NFL, Oregon checks those boxes more than the other ones do. Um, Oregon's going to pay up. They got very much money over there, like uh, Tom referenced with Phil Knight, and that Nike connection. They have will they have shown to be more than willing to play the NIL game. And you look what Dan Lenning and that team has done with Bo Nix, his renaissance. Obviously, Tom, you know very well. Bo Nix was not at all thought of as a guy like a Heisman NFL quarterback once upon a time at Auburn. He certainly is now after his time at Oregon. That could be the same situation for Dylan Gabriel. Then, like James said, chance to win. Oregon's going to be – they're not going anywhere. They're going to the Big Ten next year. So he's going to play in not the number one conference, but kind of the you know the number two 1A with the Big Ten. The new expanded Big Ten, too, with all the Pac-12 teams added next year. It makes the most sense. Now, it would have stunned me if he goes to Mississippi State or UCLA or maybe something we haven't mentioned. No, it's college football. It's a transfer portal. But Oregon just seems to make too much sense not to do, basically. So we'll see. And obviously, I'm sure we'll bring it up and at least a touch on it whenever he does make that decision whatever, in the month of December. But that that seems to be the obvious one. Uh, certainly, I agree. Now, if he also, is an Oregon
2: State or something like that, i am be, I'm be surprised. Like, Oregon <laughs> that State, would be like, something. Yes, would be I something. don't
1: know. <laughs> they have no quarterbacks, by the way. Oregon yeah. State's like lost other quarterbacks. The transfer portal has been nuts today. Kyle McCord, Ohio State's quarterback, he hit the portal. It's It's wild times. We knew it would be wild times, and it's kind of exceeding Exceeding expectations so far. We, we just started. The portal's been open for like 12 hours. What's it's,
2: been the uh, most surprising? Because that Kyle McCord is like, I mean, that's that's pretty surprising that's to me. That's
1: pretty right? high for me. I, I, you know, not that I'm plugged into the Ohio State beat, but that's surprising. Yeah. Also, the wide receiver after Fleming hit the portal as well. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. what's going on? What's happening?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. They're in a good situation right now. It's, it's weird. Yeah. They're The guys are leaving. So
0: Yeah, the Kyle McCord one was kind of surprising, but also it's like, a lot of the discussion around Ohio State this year was that they were really good in spite of Kyle McCord. It's just not like,
2: Mm -hmm. you know,
0: it's almost kind of like how a lot of Oklahoma fans like viewed Dylan Gabriel in a sense, like they had such high, you know, such a high bar of quarterback Mm -hmm. play there in recent years that it's like, you kind of step down to Kyle McCord. Now Dylan Gabriel delivered much, much more, you know, production and um, stability there than Kyle McCord did. But it's like, Man, imagine how good Ohio State could have been if they had, like, the guy at
1: quarterback this year. Um, right. But yeah, I assume that one was a little bit surprising. Yeah, you know, it, it, it was, was. Who Ohio State picks up. You know, they're going to be in the yeah. market. And uh, you'd think they'd have their pick of the litter pretty close to it. So that will be exciting to see, too.
2: It was some rough spots for Dylan Gabriel. But, uh, like I said, it was, a lot of the offense was predicated on just how he performed because – in the beginning of the season, they didn't have that run game if they, I mean, absolutely wanted, and it was up to Dylan Gabriel and those receivers to kind of, you know, mm-hmm. make that offense work. So that's that's what I've always said. It was just so much on Dylan Gabriel because you didn't have the game that you wanted either. So you really had to score touchdowns. It was it was a rough time, but they they won ten games with that. So that just shows you Dylan yeah. Gabriel is a special talent. So it's it's not somebody that you're just gonna you know just shake off. That's something that's gonna it's gonna leave a hole here here and there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, elsewhere in the transfer portal for Oklahoma, and this will be a regular fixture on the show for the next several weeks, obviously kind of just a roundup of uh, what else is happening. A few other guys hit the portal since our last show on Thursday. We talked about DJ Graham last week. Um, Since we recorded, a few more guys have entered the portal, the big one being Tommy Walker, who we had kind of talked about before and speculated could be a possibility. That running back room is so crowded. Tommy Walker, a walk-on, certainly has played his way into a scholarship somewhere. So that seemed to make a lot of sense. Also, I've had Nate Anderson, the offensive line, hit the portal. Jason Llewellyn, one of the uh, reserve tight ends, has hit the portal. Obviously, the big one here, guys, is Tywee Walker. Um, You know, the running back room is crowded. You figured one or two of these guys is going to go because they all could be back if they want. You know, obviously, Javante Barnes, Gavin Sondchok, even Marcus Major has another year Mm -hmm. if he wants it. He felt like there was just no way they all were going to come back with the guys coming in, Xavier Robinson, Taylor Tatum. You know, it just... There was just a log jam. and uh, so far, Todd Walker, the one that has hit the portal, going to look for another team, just made a lot of sense because he's a walk-on, things like that. What has kind of stuck out to you guys from the early portal movement for Oklahoma? Keep in mind, too, recording this, it's 1157 right now. By the time this show even ends or gets posted, there may be a couple more, but as of now, those are the ones we have. What's kind of stuck out uh, so far in the early portal season here?
0: Yeah, the, the Tawi Walker decision—not um, totally surprising. Actually, sure. he he probably had the most to gain out of any of those guys leaving uh, in leaving the running back room, um, just because again he's a walk-on. You know, he's got another year of eligibility. He's got a young child uh, to help provide for. I mean, some school is going to give him a scholarship opportunity. Mm-hmm. He's going to have an opportunity to make some NIL money too. And I think it's just you know going to work out for him in the long run. I think it's going to work out for Oklahoma. He was you know. For large swaths of this season, he was their most consistent running back. But then he had that, you know, in-house suspension and then just never really found his footing because, you know, that kind of coincided with Gavin Sawchuck getting healthy and finding his form as a number one running back. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's no shortage of talent in that running back room for Oklahoma. They're going to be in good shape. Looks like Gavin Sachuk is going to head into 2024 as the guy Um, we'll see how that shakes out. But I think this will work out for all parties involved. I think Tali Walker is going to end up in a very good situation for himself and his family.
2: Yeah, Tali was a big blow because of what he was able to do. Like I said in the article I wrote about him, he was like, he was always a guy that fell forward. No matter what, he was falling forward and gaining yards whenever he ran the ball. He just had that spark. He was able to just you know, hide behind the, the linemen and then and, and shoot through the gaps and, and be able to get some yards after that. So he has that skill set. You know, it was just, he was already a walk on. He had his issues with coaching staff, I guess, you know, on the, in the in the practice and things like that. And, you know, that kind of brought him back a little bit. It brought him back. And then as soon as that happened, Gavin Salchuk gets healthy and he starts, he starts being the guy. I mean, he looked, Gavin Salchuk looked incredible since then. So it was like, it was no real, no really reason to go back to Towie Walker. That's, that's what it was. And, you know, with with Taylor Tatum coming in, the number one running back in the nation, you got, you know, Gavin Sawchuck, Marcus Majors, as you, as you mentioned. I mean, all those guys can come back. It's like, where would he even be able to, to fit in? I mean, he's he's earned, he's shown that he can be a scholarship back in a Power 5, on a Power 5 team because he, he did it. He did it for a couple of games there that really helped yeah. OU get over those those bad games. So, I mean... He, it's, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. When we first talked about it, that was the guy I was thinking, like he, Tommy Walker, maybe the guy that can that can transfer because he has the ability to do other things. So, I mean, yeah, it's a big blow to OU, but it makes it makes sense. It makes sense. It doesn't seem like there's any ill will between the school and him. It's just uh, he he needs to move on.
1: Yeah, and they didn't have a scholarship to give uh, in that running back room. So many guys, like we were just saying. And uh, so that's kind of the one downside for Oklahoma, too, is that he's kind of a double whammy. Obviously, you lose a guy who was one of your better backs for pretty much the entire season was your guy for a stretch there in the middle. He also doesn't clear up a scholarship because he he wasn't on one. So that kind of stinks in that front. But the room is going to be fine. I think we all think that. I mean, they have so many options. The way Sawchuck came on, you figure you get Javante Barnes healthy, with these other guys coming in, Aussie Caleb Hicks and Dalen Smellers are just sitting there, too. They didn't really get to even get used because there just was no need. They got options. They'll be okay, obviously. But, uh, yeah, he, he earned it. He earned having an opportunity somewhere as a scholarship guy and probably as a number one option somewhere. So we'll see where he winds up yeah. and what his market looks like. You got to think that there will be more than a few guy teams and suitors mm-hmm. uh, for Tawi.
2: So oh. I'm actually interested yeah. in what Marcus Major is going to do because – when we yeah. talked to him before the season, his goal was to be available for the team because he's had so many injury stricken seasons. His his main goal was just to be available for the team and be able to be used in the games. You know, and he the first half of the year he was able to do that. You know, and he had that shoulder injury and it's been like you haven't really seen him much since then. So that's wanna see if he's trying to make a comeback, try to accomplish that goal once again, or is he gonna to try to do it elsewhere? But I wanna see. I mean, he's a he's an Oklahoma guy, so he's from Millwood, Oklahoma. So I mean he's a guy that's You really want to pay attention to and stuff like that. So I want to see what he's going to do.
0: I think it's pretty telling that he went through senior day um, festivities before the TCU game. So I I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him move on and try to find another opportunity elsewhere, Um, especially with just the logjam of talent they have in that running back room heading into next year. But we'll see what happens.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll obviously, we'll talk about that a lot over December. And obviously, as spring uh, gets closer to kind of the hierarchy there, is it looks like Sawchuck, I mean, the way he finished the year, you, you figure he's your guy. But what does it look like after him? Because the options are a plenty. And we'll have obviously a lot of time to talk about that going into spring and then next season. The Sooners Illustrated podcast. We'll be back after this short break. So, to finish up here, obviously, Like I just said off the top, the New Year's Six is announced. We talked about it last Thursday. Oklahoma, their placement in the rankings was not going to deliver them a New Year's Six game at number 12. But as Tom very smartly brought up last week on the show, there was some potential for Oklahoma to move up because SMU Tulane in that American Championship game. If SMU wins, they move into the top 25. They get Oklahoma another ranked win. Ole Miss loses a ranked win. It's a double whammy with that SMU Tulane switch. We thought maybe that could be enough to lift Oklahoma to that 11 spot and get them into your six game. No, didn't happen. Um, SMU won the game, but the ranking movement didn't happen. Oklahoma State at 12. They're still behind Penn State and Ole Miss. I don't need to rehash everything I said last week, but it makes no sense to me. Uh, Oklahoma's got the best win by far of that group over Texas. They're the only ones that have two team wins over ranked teams right now. Currently ranked teams, Penn State and Ole Miss only have one piece. And like I said, it's nowhere near to the level of that Texas win, which was at a neutral site. Um, and so we're going to the Alamo Bowl. And we'll talk about that a little bit more here in a second. Obviously, we'll have a lot of time to preview the game. But, guys, your reaction, I guess, whenever those rankings came out and Oakland was still at 12, I, <laughs> I expected it, but it still was puzzling to me because it just – when you look at the resumes, there just is not a strong argument to me. And it's all subjective, but to me – that Oklahoma should be behind Ole Miss and Penn State. I, I frankly, they should be ahead of both of them. They should be number ten, in my opinion. <laughs> where you guys kind of stand here, it doesn't matter now. Obviously, it's done, but it it, it yeah, it doesn't feel great. It feels like Oklahoma maybe got hosed a little bit here.
0: Yeah, I was a little surprised, especially like waking up Sunday morning and you saw the tides start to shift. A lot of the you know projections were coming in for hey, maybe Oklahoma going to be headed to the Cotton Bowl. Saw that against Ohio State as a very popular destination there. It's like, okay, maybe that SMU win paired with Texas, you know, beating uh, Oklahoma State and making, you know, probably cementing its spot in the playoff was going to be enough to strengthen Oklahoma's resume. Um, And even though SMU moved into the rankings, even though Tulane fell out, it wasn't enough to bump Oklahoma up a spot. Um, I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise because the committee... Didn't change those four two lost teams. Did they for, even
1: reevaluate it? Yeah. Like, did they I, even look I, at it? That's how it feels to me. They didn't even look at it.
0: Well, you could say that about a lot of their decision making. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because the, 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 the there's just a lack of consistency in their reasoning from top to bottom when doing all this. Um, so it's a little surprising, but I, I think Oklahoma definitely has a gripe. Um, You know, it's water under the bridge at this point. You know, it is where it is. You're going to play in the Alamo Bowl. Oklahoma is certainly not the top team to have uh, something to, you know, grieve over right now because Florida State absolutely got hosed. Um, But, I mean, I woke up Sunday morning thinking that we were going to be covering a New Year's Six Bowl just because of the way things kind of played out on Saturday. So I was a little bit surprised when – You know, one thirty rolled around after three hours of everybody talking about the top four that Oklahoma did not appear in one of those New Year's Six games, and equally surprising, I was surprised that Liberty got in. Um, You know, I I really, I really thought that SMU was going to be able to move ahead and be the top-ranked Group of Five team there, and you know, maybe if SMU did, then Oklahoma would have been playing a New Year's Six game too. But it's, it's. I don't know. It's a little crazy to me. Um, between the playoff and the New Year's Six, you have four SEC teams in there. You know, Alabama. Yeah. Those are going to the Orange Bowl. Mizzou, um Cotton. Missouri's in the Cotton. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah it's is Peach. And yeah, it, it's it's it, the distribution of wealth, so to speak, just comes off a little weird to me, especially when the committee kind of sneaks Alabama in there ahead of Florida State as the number four seed. It is what it is, as others have pointed out. You know, I don't think Oklahoma's going to have to worry about getting the getting short shrift um, with bowl games and stuff starting next year when it goes to the SEC. But yeah, it was a little bit of a surprise to me.
2: Uh, it was puzzling. It was very puzzling, and uh, it was it was strange. As uh, Josh put out the tweet and everything, and I said, "Hey, it's strange. This is strange stuff that's happening." Now, when you look at it, you know that Oklahoma was going to the SEC because of money and things like that, because but there's also this, this glaring issue right here, as Tom just said, the SEC is all over the you know the final teams in there. That's another big reason. It's like the committee does not respect the Big 12. OU's either had to be undefeated or you know, one loss to even get a you know a chance in the final four, usually like the fourth team in things like that. It's it's just they needed uh-huh. to they need to move the SEC because of this. There's there's a there's a bias. I mean, let's just be honest, there's a bias there from the committee, they like those teams. When you look at the resume of these four teams that, you know, that we're being considered, Oklahoma, Penn State, Ole Miss, and Missouri, Oklahoma and Missouri were the two that actually had, you know, two ranked wins over opponents. There's only Others only had one. Oklahoma had the most wins over bowl. I mean, bowl-eligible teams in that scenario. And, I mean, but it was all about the worst losses, I mean, as, as we pointed out. And it's because OU played Kansas and OSU that their losses were worse than, like, you know Georgia, L- LSU, things like that. Team, the, the team, the other teams, the teams lost to. So that was weird. I mean, that, I think they're gauging it more on who they lost to than who they beat. And if you look at it, you beat the better caliber teams on their schedule than the other the other three did. I mean, it's 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 puzzling. It's puzzling. Yeah, honestly, it's
0: okay because they did that to Alabama too. They looked at Alabama losing to Texas instead of Florida State beating. Yeah, not literally. literally everybody on their schedule, yeah, exactly. including two SEC teams. Yeah. So, <laughs> It's like yeah. Big
2: Ten and SEC. That's that's why the move had to happen. I mean, yeah. I know it was it's a little scary but it, it had to happen and I think OU is set to be in a good situation. We talked about the running back room, the depth that they have. We already know about the receivers. All those guys bring it back. You got Jackson Arnold coming in. You got a, the, the the five-star defensive lineman coming in. You got the five-star safety as it is right now. is going to be really, very prepared for this move as well so it's not like they're going to drop off. It's it should be they should be just fine.
1: Yeah. Well, what's crazy too to me, you know, with Penn State and Ole Miss specifically, I'm not going to argue Missouri too much. That doesn't bother me. Penn State and Ole Miss are the ones that bother me. And those two teams, mm. while those two losses were better, in quotes, um, obviously they Penn State lost to Ohio State and Michigan. Ole Miss lost to Georgia and Alabama. Those four games, if we're not competitive. They were not competitive at all. Those two teams do not belong on the field with elite competition. We saw Oklahoma against elite competition. Texas. Guess what happened? They beat them on a neutral field. Mm-hmm. So it just makes no sense to me. Also, it's been way overstated how bad Oklahoma's losses were. Those are not bad losses. I mean, Oklahoma surely won those games. Were they favorite? Sure. But on the road, one score games, eight total points to Kansas, who won eight mm-hmm. games and would have won more if they didn't lose their backup quarterback. Jay, They were on their third shrink at the end of the year. And Oklahoma State was playing for a conference title at the end of the year. Well, those are not like, just horrible, unforgivable losses. So, and both came down to the last drive, drive. Mm-hmm. was that? And both came down to the last
0: drive, yeah, That's right? Like, yeah. He's easily could have won them, yeah. Whereas, whereas, like, you look at Penn State, I think it was the Michigan game, you know, Penn State was up three nothing early, but never, yeah,
2: had that was a it. That, that was game. it,
0: yeah. <laughs> Even though they lost those games by nine and ten points to Michigan and Ohio State, like, they were never really in it. Um, when yeah. you watch those games. So it 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 is a little puzzling. I I think, like I said, I think Oklahoma does have something you know gripe about. But I mean, at the end of the day, you know,
1: it it is what it is. Well, like we said, the saving grace here, frankly, if you're Oklahoma, is that this isn't a year from now because this would have been the difference between Oklahoma making the playoff and not making it if this was a year from now. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, just the faith in the committee is very low. And obviously, like, it's been a, a major talking point. We've kind of touched on it. Florida State getting left out of the playoff in favor of that Alabama. Seems, that's crazy, man. But they didn't crazy. apply that same logic when it was talking about Liberty and SMU. It's the, basically the exact same situation. SMU played a much tougher schedule. Liberty didn't play anybody. Liberty had the worst strength of schedule in the country. But they got that's rewarded the just oh, for being undefeated, just for the sake of being undefeated. But they did not apply that exact same logic to Florida State and Alabama at the top when turning the playoff. And so the inconsistency all over the place is just maddening. And uh, it's uh, that's why the expanded playoff is necessary, because while the committee is still going to mess things up and they're still going to enrage us, more teams in the playoff limits how much they can – force State would still be in the expanded playoff. they still be getting hosed, obviously. They, they would be having to play an extra game, but they would still be in. You know what I mean? Teams who really deserve it will still be in for the most part. And that's why the expanded playoff will limit some of this, but it's not going to fix it all because the committee stinks, frankly. Um, and <laughs> so it is what it, said fun. They that's said
2: that, I mean, Florida State, they, they said they're, they're the, the way they're constructed right now, they're not able to beat any of those four teams, but for some reason they're ahead of Georgia.
1: Yeah, like, exactly. That,
2: a, you think they're going to be Maybe Georgia? Like 11 then, by, yeah, by that. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of teams on there that they wouldn't beat if, if you go off of that. But you also can't – it's hard to play the if game. In that situation, you can't just say if this, if that. I mean, they have the resume. You, you go off of what the resume is. They, they, they did what they were supposed to do to get in. They, they should be awarded for that, no matter who's the starter quarterback. Ohio State had their third string win them a, win them a championship one year. I, yeah, mean, year. Yeah. You look, I mean, you look at the NFL. I mean, I mean, Carson Wentz went down. I mean, who came in and, and won the Super Bowl? Nick Foles. I mean, yeah. it, stuff like that can happen. I mean, you, you got you to gotta give them a chance. They, they earned the spot to be in. You got to give them a chance. And yeah, it, I don't know. They didn't. They didn't seem to look at a lot of resumes in this one. I think they did the same thing with with OU. There's, there's, it's crazy stuff, man.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you you look at it like let's say Alabama had lost to Georgia, Florida State's still the odd team out in that scenario, then because they're not going to leave Georgia out. So it's like, it's almost like the, it felt like the committee like yeah pre decided that they're going to dock Florida State because their starting quarterback got hurt and. You know, Florida State certainly did not look like it did earlier in the season without Jordan Travis, but it still went on the road against an SEC team and a rival, and won that game,
1: mm.
0: and then beat a team that the committee saw as a top fifteen team in a neutral site in bad weather by double digits by just absolutely suffocating them defensively.
1: I mean, I, I think, at, I some, think what happens- at
0: some point, defense is a part of football too. Like exactly, yeah. It's not just about the quarterback um, <laughs> F- F- Florida State should be absolutely livid and disgusted, but if I'm them and I find a way to beat Georgia in the Orange Bowl somehow I'm claiming a national title, man, I don't care <laughs> yeah. You go you go 14-0 and, and you beat the team that they won the titles and won 29 of its last 30 games You claim a national title, man, I don't care
1: Do yeah. it mm-hmm. No, and they, they probably will, and uh, I won't fight them on it, that's for sure. Wild stuff. The yeah, committee, not good. Um, and Oklahoma should be near a sixth game, but they're not, and so we're going to San Antonio. We're going to see Oklahoma play Arizona on December 28th. Obviously, the game is three and a half weeks away. We're going to have a lot of time to talk about this game and, and actually preview it and really break it down. But I guess just initial thoughts here, I mean, things that jump out. I mean, there is kind of some fun Seth Luttrell connections here, obviously, um, the fact his first game is going to be against Arizona and Arizona's a good team, which is not. Gr- I mean, Arizona's piping hot. I mean, I, I think most people r- realize that but Arizona the second half of the year was throttling teams, throttling and beating good teams week after week after week from the middle of season on. They got off to a bit of a rough start, but the second half of the year, they were as good as anybody, not a team you really want to play, frankly, right now. Oklahoma will be with Jackson Arnold, which adds intrigue, but certainly makes it tougher. It's got a kid making his first start. Um, some early thoughts here. What jumps out? I mean, it should be entertaining. Is it disappointing a little bit that we're not in a big game, quote-unquote, near sixth game? Sure. I covered this game two years ago. Almondville does a great job. It's, San Antonio is a great city. We'll all make the most of it. But uh, it'll be interesting. Oklahoma and Arizona here in uh, three and a half weeks from now.
2: Real quick, yeah. before before we switch over, I'll let Tom go first. But I want to say, I mean – I. It, I know Josh said before the season, you know, they're not going to let a one-loss Big 12 team champion not get in. I think when they when that happened, they saw that Alabama had just won the SEC and their one-loss team and they won the SEC. It was going to be very hard to keep them out. And I think once they did it, they said, let's put Alabama in there. Like, oh, but they lost to Texas too. Uh, okay, let's throw let's, let's put them in there with Texas as well. You know, FSU has to stay out. I think that kind of was the reasoning behind it as well. I, I know we, we're talking about a different subject now, but I want to throw it out there just for another, another aspect of it. Go ahead, Tom.
0: Yeah, no, I think it should be an interesting game. I mean, you got two top fifteen teams. Um, obviously, the Jackson Arnold situation, you know, mm-hmm. adds a little more intrigue for Oklahoma. Arizona has been playing great, as you pointed out. The second half of the year, they haven't lost since that triple overtime game against you know USC, which I think was the same weekend as Red River. If I can't, if I remember correctly. Um, yes. And Arizona no, I probably I
1: was too tired. I won't yeah, watch I-
0: Yeah. Arizona probably should have won that game. Um, probably should have gone for two before they had to, um, because you don't want to give Caleb Williams an additional chance to get the ball in his hands. But Jedfish has turned that program around in a short time. Um, I think it's gonna be a really interesting matchup. Um, we'll dive into it more in the coming weeks. But like you said, uh Interesting, Seth Luttrell tie-in. You know, last time Arizona played in the Alamo Bowl, that was the year that Seth Luttrell and Bill Bedenbaugh were co-offensive coordinators. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, an interesting matchup. Like as far as far as like non-New Year's Six bowls, this is on paper should be one of the better bowl games this season, for
1: sure.
2: Mm-hmm. And when you when you hear the names, you don't it doesn't really light a fire until you actually look at what these two teams have done this year. I know, you know, as we talked about, Arizona has been has been improving as the season has gone on. And that's that's a very dangerous team to play against. You know, they really have nothing to lose in that situation. They're they're improving and they're trying to get, you know, their name into the to where Oklahoma's name is, things like that. So that's that's a dangerous team to play. The good thing with OU, they, as we talked about, Jackson Arnold's gonna be there. All the most of the guys, I feel like, would would still stay in this stay in this game and play. I think the offensive line is gonna be the biggest question. Who's gonna, I mean, How's that going to how's that going to shape out? Is Walter Rouse mm-hmm. going to play? You know things like that because some of those guys are getting ready for the NFL and things like that. But I mean, it should be an interesting game. I mean, it's not going to be something that's just a blow off game that nobody's going to watch. It's, it's it should be pretty interesting. Is because we said there, Arizona is is going forward and OU wants to see. You know how how are they going to look next year? I mean, you got a new offensive coordinator and things like that. How they're going to call plays? How they're going to handle difficult situations? All that's kind of exciting in this situation. Yeah.
1: 8:15 local kick in San Antonio. It's basically it's the exact antithesis of the uh, BYU game where Tom and I had 10 a.m. Uh, local, 8:15. So late night in San Antonio coming up uh, in a few weeks. And like we said, we'll have plenty of time to actually break down this game and kind of talk about more uh, what Arizona brings to the table and all that stuff. But yeah, there's some interesting elements to it. It's a top 15 matchup, and so we'll we'll look forward to it. The Mike Stoops Bowl. It'll be uh, it'll be fun to see here in a few weeks down in San Antonio. All right, I think that's it for now. Obviously, we'll be back on Thursday. Special deal running right now. I want to make sure we get it in. 60% off. I think it's for a year. Um, I want to double-check that on the deal whenever you sign up. But 60% off, I believe, for Transfer Portal. Kind of a special deal right now running through Wednesday. Um, Now's the best time. Collins crushing on the Transfer Portal side of things. We have more, more VIP content, obviously, on the site as well. Oklahoma.247sports.com. Be sure to get over there, become part of the party. December is going to be nuts, and then we got the bowl game coming up. Hoops is off and running. The men's team just moved up to 19 in the AP poll uh, a little bit ago. On the rise, going to be a fun team to keep up with on that front, too. Women obviously playing well. Be Diamond sports for you know it. So jump aboard, become part of the family on uh, Sooners Illustrated here over the next uh, – in December and beyond. So it's going to be fun. All right, that's it for now. We'll be back on Thursday. Talk about the latest in transfer portal, all the other news that happens between now and then. For Tom Green, James E. Jackson, I'm Josh Calloway. We'll see you guys Thursday for the next edition of the Sooners Illustrated Podcast.
2: See you.